the staff aren't always going to be engaging with your dog. The point of daycare is for your dog to engage with other dogs. And if it's not on the webcam showing up that way that your dog's not engaging with other dogs, maybe your dog wants more structured facility or is looking for a smaller pack or something. Like there are different daycares that can work for different dogs. Hello and welcome back to Honest to Dog Podcast. It's me, Liz Foley, your favorite dog trainer with Jeff Gadway, my favorite co-host. Hi again, Liz. Hey, what's up? We are back this week and we're talking about how to choose a doggy daycare. Mm-hmm. I think it's a pretty important topic because choosing a dog daycare isn't like going to your local pharmacy and buying a tube of toothpaste where they're completely substitutable for each other. Mm -hmm. It's actually a very important decision in your dog's overall developmental progress. Absolutely. And I'm going to try really hard not to be biased here and just like if I were a dog owner, which I am, (laughs) but if I were searching for a facility for my own dogs, what would I, what questions would I be asking? What would I be looking for? So other people can find good solution for socializing their dogs if they want to use daycares. Yeah, I think that's a super helpful topic. Maybe the first place to start is when should you start evaluating daycares? Because this isn't like just picking a movie where you're going to do it by reading a couple of reviews Friday night before you head out for for dinner and a show. You're going to want to do it well in advance of wanting to send your dog. I would hope so. Yeah. So when would you start or why is it important to start early given what's happening in the daycare environment Mm -hmm. these days? So for me, I say start early because the second you get a dog, you should already think, be thinking about how am I going to help this dog to be social and balanced long-term. And so training is a part of that for sure. Maybe dog parks are a part of that, but if that's not possible for you, what other options do you have? Well, daycares can be a great way to keep your dogs social and engaged in behaving well with other dogs. The second you get a dog, you should be already coming up with your, or thinking about getting a dog, coming up with your plan for socialization. If daycare is a part of that plan, right now, there are a lot of dogs. (laughs) Everybody has dogs after COVID. Um, And so a lot of reputable places are filling up and quickly. And so if you have a place in mind, you might want to inquire before even getting your dog because they might have a wait list. If you have your heart set on a place and you can't get in, you might have to go to another option and it might it might be the detriment of your dog's sociability if it's not the place that you need it to be because there's very different daycare options out there. And we're going to talk about that in this episode. Maybe another question to, to tackle right off the top is how should you go about determining or assessing for yourself what you want to get out of the daycare experience? Because I would imagine that actually has quite a lot to do with how you would evaluate different daycare options and ultimately which one you're going to choose. Absolutely. Because, I mean, we don't have kids, but I'd assume it would be similar to picking a school for your kids. Is your kid learning French really important? Do you want them to go to a bilingual school then? Is it important for them to be at the same school as their siblings? Is it important for them to go to an art school? Like all of those things. So when Or it, athletics or yeah. any of any of those things. And so it's similar with our dogs. Do you want your dog to go to the same daycare as some of your friends? Cool. If that's important to you, maybe you need to car share or whatever. 
Um, maybe you want a dog to be really calm around other dogs. So you want to choose a place that's super structured and focuses on calm coexistence and less rambunctious play. Maybe you just want somewhere close by. <laughs> maybe you want a place that's play all day. It, it really depends. So look into each daycare and how they describe their facility and what they offer. Because the words on the website can give you insight as to, okay, what's, what's their philosophy? What's their approach to socialization? And then do further research, see for yourself. I love that. When you look at the daycare market, having done this for 10 years and now knowing a lot of people across Canada and the US who are running different dog daycare and socialization facilities, do you see the market breaking down in any particular way? You kind of compared it to art schools, athletic schools, Mm -hmm. language schools. Is there kind of the equivalent in the daycare space? Kind of, but not like super bucketed. I would say it's like a spectrum and that spectrum varies from free for all to super structured. So like a play care versus a training school. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting way to look at it. And I think as we proceed through this conversation, we're not trying to say one is better than the other necessarily, although we have our our preferences, mm-hmm. but rather just understanding what it is that you want out of your daycare experience and knowing why and then choosing the right facility accordingly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because not all dogs are the same. And we talk about that all the time. Different dogs are going to benefit from different things. And so, yeah, just finding what works for for you, the dog that you want to raise, and going from there. So now I'm interested to get your thoughts on what a play care experience might look like versus that other end of the spectrum around superstructured. And I think what, what gives you some really interesting perspective on this is that Doghouse started much further mm-hmm. along the spectrum towards play care and has moved significantly. On, on the right towards the right on that spectrum significantly over the last 10 years. So what does a play care experience look like compared to a structured experience? And where would you say Doghouse sits today? Play care is more run by the dogs. It's, and so in that case, you're being more reactionary. So as things happen, you're cleaning them up because nobody's actually stepping into a leadership role to be like, this is what we're doing right now. So to me, play care is more reaction because the dogs literally have the entire day to play. Maybe there's a nap thrown in there. Um, But if left to their own devices, they can make some bad decisions. And so they're probably getting somebody interrupting quite often to calm it down or put a dog in a timeout or things like that. And so that's what I mean by saying reactionary versus proactive would be more the structured school daycare side of things where it's, okay, we have a program laid out for these dogs and what they should be doing at each time. And the whole point of that is to avoid the problem behaviors you'd be constantly interrupting. So for instance, one of the benefits that happened with becoming way more structured with daycare is we stopped seeing certain problem behaviors that weren't horrible, but not ideal. So those ones were digging outside, eating wood chips outside, and having accidents inside. So because we're so ahead 
of the dogs and what's happening next, they don't get bored. Boredom often leads to poor decision-making, problem behaviors, and getting in trouble. And so you don't think that that happens. You're like, how could 25 dogs all just hanging out ever be boring? Well, it happens. I I can literally tell you because I've been there when dogs are digging holes and I have to fill them in. And, And so it's, it solves so many problems. I'm like, why doesn't everybody just do structure? Um, but that's, that's my preference. You said something a little earlier as we were prepping for the episode that has really stuck with me. And it's this idea that no matter where you go, your dog is going to learn behaviors. And so it's really determining what behaviors do you want them to learn? Or are you comfortable with them learning? Can you expand a little bit on that? Yeah. Dogs learn from each other in big ways. And so who you're socializing your dog with will have an effect on how they behave and how they go on to socialize. So a perfect example of that would be barking. And that's something that can happen at certain facilities where if the dogs are just left to do whatever they please for the entire day, and there's a lot of barking, your dog can totally pick up that behavior while at daycare barking then it bleeds to your home life barking. Um, So that's a common one you see a lot of the time more with those unstructured facilities. On the flip side, if you are working with a daycare that's more structured, you can be getting beneficial habits that are rubbing off on your dog, like learning calm coexistence or place or how to be calm in a crate or treadmill. Who knows? The possibilities are endless, but they're always learning. Your dog is a sponge for life, but especially in their first year. So if you're doing, a lot of people want to socialize their dogs properly the first year. Be selective about your daycare because not everywhere is going to set your dog up for success. That's great, Liz. So we've talked about the spectrum upon which dog daycare facilities can sit. Let's get into some of the specific criteria that people should consider when they're looking at different options. So you've, you've determined, okay, I want to be maybe in the middle of the play to structure spectrum. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to talk about, you know, what criteria should be on your decision list. Mm-hmm. Let's start with, with staffing. Mm-hmm. What are some of the considerations that kind of go into staffing that people should be aware of? The ratio of dogs to staff is very important um, to me, and it should be to dog owners. And that's because... You want to make sure that your dog is safe and can two people really manage 60 dogs if that's what that facility offers. Well, if it's super structured, yeah, maybe. If it's super unstructured, (laughs) you might be rolling the dice. Paying attention to that, I mean, every place is going to be a little bit different and it might even vary based on the staff's experience level. So if you have two extremely senior people and they're taking care of 30 dogs, that is probably a good setup. If you've got two brand new people taking care of 20 dogs, that could be challenging. So making sure that it's adequately staffed, but those staff too are very well trained, that they're given time to know what to interrupt, what to leave alone, how to care for dogs, first aid, all of that kind of criteria, they should have that. You bring up first aid. I think that's a really important one. 
hopefully if it's a well-run facility with good staff, with a good staff to dog ratio, there aren't going to be incidents that happen. But as you sometimes have said, dogs at daycare, you've got a number of children running around with scissors. Mm -hmm. Something could very well happen. So what should the protocols be in the event a dog is injured? What, What do you think is a good approach versus maybe a not ideal approach? A good approach should always be to contact the owner. Let them know it is their dog. They are trusting you um, to take care of your dog and you don't want to break trust. And so if you're if you don't tell them at all, that's very concerning. It shows maybe you don't pay attention or you're worried that the client might get upset. I believe in complete transparency and that's gotten me a lot of clients and respect for my clients and long-standing clients because I will share the good, the bad, the ugly. Tim's nodding his head because <laughs> Jose had an off day today at daycare and I was able to tell him that he might not even be in that many photos or videos because he wasn't his playful self. He might've been irritated. He's been going through some allergies, that sort of thing that he was even kind of annoyed with some of his friends that he actually plays with. So telling that to Tim, he now understands and and there isn't a narrative of, oh, my dog was bad. He wasn't in photos. He must've been so bad. Maybe he won't be invited back. Like things like that. Like you can get in, clients can get in their own heads about things. And so I want to make sure that every day they're up to speed on how their dog was performing, especially so that some that out of nowhere, I'm not just like, hey, he can't come back. He's had, we've had issues with him leading up to this point. And Tim's like, whoa, 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 what issues? Nobody told me anything. That's not fair. Um, so being able to talk to the client right away and put their mind at ease and tell them what, what's your plan? What are you going to do? If it's a small nick, I just wanted to bring it to your attention Um, there might be a little scab. I'm not concerned about this. It happened completely during play. It was an accident. Um, happy to answer any questions you might have. Do you want me to send you a picture of, of what I'm talking about? Like things like that. Or on the flip side, if it is something more major, letting them know. And I say, Hey, do you want me to take your dog to the vet or would you rather pick up and take him to the vet? But I think this needs a medical eye to look at. Don't shy away from things or try to cover it up or try to make excuses, like own it. If something happens, I have brought dogs to the vet before and I've actually had vets tell me it warms my heart that that you did this. Like it makes me feel really good about your facility that you're that on top of things. It kind of speaks to another attribute, which is knowing the dogs and having awareness of what's happening and being present throughout the day to understand when something might've occurred and then to be able to relay that Mm -hmm. to the client, whether it's updates by email at the end of their first day, verbal updates during pickup, posting materials throughout the day to social media so that there's this presence kind of throughout the day. It's not Mm -hmm. just babysitting, it's active involvement and engagement with Mm -hmm. the pack and with each individual dog throughout the day. I think that to me seems like something that you'd want to assess if you're evaluating Mm -hmm. a facility. For some people, it's really important to be able to have eyes on their dog for the entire day. So there are facilities that broadcast that. They show you just, you know, here's here's the room that we're in and this is what your dog's doing 24-7 and you can see that. That was, that's an interesting one. I was going to bring that up a little later when we talk about maybe some of the red herrings that Mm -hmm. 
get more weighting than maybe they could or should. Mm -hmm. But we can talk about it now because you brought it up. To me, it seems like they could be a little bit of a red herring because while it's a nice idea to be able to see your dog all day and check in on them, and maybe to some people it brings them a lot of comfort, it doesn't seem like you're, you know what you're seeing necessarily unless you're a trained dog psychology expert. I think you hit it right on the nose where you said it might bring people comfort. I think the idea of it does. I think the reality of it, some people might be bored. I mean, watching their dog and be like, okay, why is he just like lying there? Like, like dogs are going to take breaks throughout the day and not go, go, go. Even if it is a play all daycare. And I mean, if you do see your dog kind of go, go, go all day, is that a good thing? It's good because they're, they're showing you everything. We just talked about transparency and how that's super important. On the flip side, though, how healthy is it that you're, you might be checking it or watching it full day when you're supposed to be enjoying a day without your dog? Um, so be mindful of that. Like maybe just check in um, because it is a nice perk to have for sure. Daycare is supposed to be a day for your dog to enjoy being a dog. There should be a little bit of separation there. And if you're constantly checking in or constantly watching, um, which I've heard people do, <laughs> where having that there makes it like you have to check it or you should be watching it. You don't have to. And it, it shouldn't be obsessive. And if it is, then you have separation anxiety from your dog. And then your dog likely has separation anxiety from you and yada, yada, yada. So because we don't have webcam for clients, because, I mean, it's super structured. We're inside, we're outside, we're on a walk, we're doing all these things. Um, it wouldn't provide value to them full day. So what we do to make up for it is video content on social media with Instagram and photos for Facebook. Um, and we really try not to just show the highlights. If there's something I'm working through with a dog I want to share that and then we can explain it. That's the other thing, good and bad with social media. Social media is, yeah, you can curate. You can curate the heck out of it. You can show just the highlights, the good stuff. On the other side though, you can also uh, provide context. And that's one thing that we do, I think pretty well with Doghouse is add description through our what we write on the side or whatever. Like if the dogs are being really loud while playing, we might zero in on it where we're like, okay, we know these two dogs play very vocally together. This is not something I'm going to interrupt versus I might show a play between two dogs where it escalates and how I step in to bring the intensity down. And the more I do things like that, the response is incredible from people who view it. They say, thank you so much for showing me or, oh, he does that at home. Now I know how to deal with it. Like so much stuff. And I used to shy away from sharing that because any blip made me feel like a failure when I'm like, no, I'm not superhuman. Of course, um, dogs are going to challenge at sometimes. And if I actually share that, that's educational for people. It's not a failure. I don't know. So you took the words right out of my mouth. You're training the dogs, but you're also educating the families so that they understand what normal looks like and they can get to know their dogs better outside of their homes and also get to know just dog psychology better too, so that they can build a stronger relationship. I mean, from the very get-go, your goal or North Star has been to create stronger relationships between dogs and humans. Mm -hmm. And so I think not just managing the dog in a bubble really helps with that. Mm -hmm. 
some people might, and I've had conversations like this with people before where they've taken their dog to another facility or are still taking their dog to a facility and have said, you know, my, my dog did X behavior and was ignored by the staff. That actually might be a good thing. You look at it as a negative where if a dog is jumping up at a person, well, do you want that behavior to continue? Maybe there's, there's a reason that staff ignored that behavior because they don't want to encourage jumping up. But as an owner, again, without context, looking through that, they, they must dislike my dog. No, maybe that's part of the training. Maybe that's in their handbook, a rule. If a dog jumps up on you, ignore, do not pet, do not engage, um, because that is training. So knowing those things, like we're very hands-off with the dogs um, at daycare because I, I literally describe the job as you're a teacher at recess. If we're doing a training class, you work one-on-one -on -one with dogs. If you are observing social time and social hour, then you have to be watching everybody and step in as necessary. But we're not constantly coddling those dogs. So on a webcam, does that make us look like we're not doing our job? I don't know. To me, I'm doing a very good job. <laughs> but something to take into consideration, the staff aren't always going to be engaging with your dog. The point of daycare is for your dog to engage with other dogs. And if it's not on the webcam showing up that way that your dog's not engaging with other dogs, maybe your dog wants more structured facility or is looking for a smaller pack or something. Like there are different daycares that can work for different dogs. Coming back to the list of criteria, I want to touch quickly on facilities and things like cleanliness, not necessarily the most sexy topic mm. in the world when it comes to picking your daycare, but how important do you feel those elements or attributes are in the overall kind of scoring? Oh my gosh, so important. I can't even tell you still to this day, I never tire of it. When someone comes in and they say, oh, it doesn't smell like dog in here. It doesn't smell like urine. It doesn't smell like bleach. It doesn't smell like a hospital, like all of that. And that really means that we've done our job in keeping it clean and welcoming. Because if, I've, and I've said this so many times to my staff, like it's so important to me. If our front office smells like shit, what are people gonna assume about the back, right? Like, so I know Tim's gonna bleep that out, so that's okay. That's your first impression, walking in. So if it's dirty or smelly, that's not good. But your entire facility should be clean because you are working with animals who can carry illness and spread it. And so you really wanna make sure that cleanliness is of the utmost importance with any facility. It's a huge part of the job making sure it's sterile and it's clean and that dogs can then be safe. If poop is just lying around in the back, there are going to be dogs that are going to eat it. And that's disgusting or roll in it. And so it goes beyond just making it look nice. It also serves a purpose. And that purpose is keeping dogs safe, healthy, and clean. I think it also speaks to a facility's attention to detail yes. and how engaged they are, again, with the overall experience. You touched on the sense of smell. What about other auditory triggers? Because oh. something that, that I've always been impressed by, sometimes I'll come into the doghouse to drop off a coffee to you or something. I love when you do that. Thank you. You're very welcome. And I'll think that the dogs are 
outside or that the dogs are on a pack walk. Mm-hmm. And then I'll realize, no, there are 35 dogs in the play door, playroom next door and they're silent. Mm-hmm. Is that like, it's a bit of a leading question, I know, but a good thing or a bad thing? Because it's just like the webcam. If you if it's silent and you didn't think that dogs were there, some people would be like, well, they're not having any fun. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But to me, it's really important. It means that it's not chaotic. It means that it's calm. And it's under control that the dogs have leadership and feel comfortable there. No one's alert barking. Um, yeah, they might get caught off guard and at some point bark. But for the most part, it's quiet. And that's because barking isn't really a normal part of socialization. It actually kind of more is an indicator of unbalanced energy. A woof can be an invitation for play. Absolutely. But incessant barking is actually a sign of stress. So if you go in somewhere or neglect even, dogs will bark um, to get attention. So if there's a lot of noise, (laughs) that's a red flag for sure. I don't know how else to put it. Well, and I think we've both heard stories about facilities where staff wear headphones or Mm -hmm. iPods or whatever. Yeah, no, like what what I've been told is those like, yellow ones that are for blocking out like construction, like serious heavy duty headphones. Not like I'm just like listening to my favorite song. These are noise canceling headphones. And it's like, I had a staff who worked at another facility tell me this specifically. It was because one for, for ear damage, it was for the, the staff's own safety. So they didn't mess up their own hearing with dogs barking, but also it was, they were told it's not their job to interrupt dogs barking because this isn't training. And so knowing things like that, what, what does a facility address or what do they not address um, could be really important to you because for me, incessant barking, I would want my dog to be curving that behavior or not becoming really, really good at it because whatever they practice, they become good at. We've said that so many times. Um, so if your dog's par- barking at daycare for 10 hours a day, they're going to get really good at barking. They're going to be the best barkers. They're going to get their 10,000 hours real quick. Um, so then it's going to be harder to train out of them. But yeah, you shouldn't you shouldn't hear chaos. And I mean, we're two do- doors down from the Humane Society, no shade, but those dogs aren't getting the fulfillment that our daycare dogs are getting. So yeah, they bark and that's two doors over, but our dogs still don't. They don't participate or engage with that. And they can even hear unstable dogs. And every time someone pulls up to the parking lot and it's like a particularly noisy day at the Humane Society, I go, oh my God, they're going to think it's us. And the second they step inside or look out and see the dogs, they realize, oh my gosh, that's not here. We have 20, 25 dogs all hanging out together. They're cool. Next door, they might have 10 and they're all in separate cells and they're all losing their minds. But yeah. Sound sound matters. So we've talked about a lot of different criteria. Just to give folks some concrete questions to ask, maybe to kind of pull it all together um, before we wrap up. Are there two or three questions that people should have on their evaluation list if they are interviewing different daycares or considering different options? What are the most important things that they should put on their checklist? How do you evaluate dogs um, to enter the daycare and facility? What's that 
I was going to say hiring process, like well, screening kind of, process yeah, or screening. admissions process. We've recently tightened up on that at the doghouse where it's essentially you have to do a self-evaluation at home. Can your dog do these things? Then once that's a pass, your dog would come in and do an assessment where it's one-on-one um, with the dog and making sure that they can do things individually, but also socially with other dogs um, so that it's safe. I know that then that dog's not going to hurt another dog, never mind get hurt itself, um, which is super important. And then they get a, their first day is an entire trial day where eyes are on that dog to make sure it's safe and set up for success. And it literally has a handler the entire morning. So we only take one new dog a day. That's really important to us. So asking questions like that, how many new dogs do you schedule a day? How does my dog enter the pack? How do you assess if my dog is a good fit for this pack? And I think I'm listening for a couple things there. Number one, do they have an answer? Mm -hmm. And then number two, where does that answer fit on the spectrum of play care to super structured? Mm -hmm. Because again, it's just my, in my experience and what I've witnessed in facilities here, there are places that have drop-in. You can just drop your dog off. Well, is that for new dogs? That's slightly alarming. <laughs> um, but like predictability, again, one of the things, how often does should my dog come? Is that important to you? Because um, it's super important to us at the doghouse. With structure, I need to make sure your dog is familiar with structure and can do what's needed without stress being put on that dog while at school. Um, so coming more frequently is beneficial to you and your dog. So admissions is one area. What about activity schedule mm -hmm. as an area? Because that, that could be another good indicator of where they sit on that spectrum. Yeah, what do the dogs do in a day? And again, when I had my more play care oriented daycare, less structure, I thought that fun, that question was hilarious. I was like, what do you mean? Well, they do math and science in the morning and then arts and crafts and gym in the afternoon. I was like, what kind of question is that? Like, but now it makes sense to me. It's like, oh, okay. Like, yeah, I have a schedule for the dogs. Now I can tell you exactly what they're doing at every hour on the hour. Um, that not only helps keep staff super on top of their job, humans like structure just as much as dogs. Shocking, shocking. I know we think we want freedom, but we actually want kind of more systems in place to, again, relieve our own stress, just like for dogs. So if they have structure even if it's a play care, do the dogs have downtime? That should be included in that structure. That's super important so that they don't go nuts on each other and can decompress after some play. It's important for dogs to be able to rest and regulate before joining back in. Are they super structured even in their rules and expectations for clients? Like we have pretty firm boundaries in place about expectations in terms of how to drop off and picking up and that sort of thing. It's not willy nilly. You can't just pay by the hour and pick up whenever because that's going to disrupt the structure. So things like that to keep in mind and ask about. I think we touched on staffing already, questions about staff ratio, how, how staff are trained, what their expectations are. That seems like a pretty important one to me. Mm -hmm. And then putting these things together, is it realistic to expect to be able to go and see a daycare or what do you think is fair in that regard? I mean, I would think it's a bit sus if you're not allowed to see anything at all. Um, 
I mean, with COVID stuff in effect, maybe it's challenging or difficult, but I've also seen and heard of facilities making ways around it where it's like some facilities might not have a webcam, but they have a live feed, like a screen showing what's happening in the back with the dog. So if you can't go and see them, um, you can still see what's happening or even like a viewing deck or like loft where you can see from a window into a space, um, which is one of the ways in which we can show people without stressing the dogs at the dog house from inside. Here's a look at outside. Um, so you should, you should be able to vet it at least a little bit and, and be there to experience what the vibe is um, just in general. Like how do the people in person feel like the staff that work there, not just over the phone? What is, what is the ambiance? Like, is it calm? Is it inviting? Is it fun and relaxing? Is it cold and sterile? And, you know, like checking that vibe, that environment, does it feel safe for you and your dog? But yeah, you should be able to see at least parts of the facility. And with dogs there too, mm-hmm. right? I think something that I've seen with some places is they've got really great professional photographs of the facility, maybe some pictures of the dogs, but you're not able to come during operating hours. Mm-hmm. But to me, it feels like that's exactly when you want to be there so yeah. that you know how all the pieces come together, the pack, the staff, the facility. Mm-hmm. Just know, like I'm a small business and we have a small team that there are going to be places that are going to want you to book in advance and not just like show up and look. And that's not that that might not mean that they're hiding anything. That might just be, okay, how do we staff this appropriately so that someone can, because that's something that's really important to me. I don't, I'm not just going to let someone just, just, yeah, walk around, you know, enjoy the space. (laughs) I want someone there with you to answer questions as you go and point things out to you. What's important. And I want you to notice this. A lot of time when I show someone the indoor space, the dogs are outside and that's so that they're not stressed out by somebody brand new because we do have more sensitive dogs, but I'll show them there are 12 crates. We have 20, 25 dogs. The dogs that go in the crates are dogs who are puppies, brand new, potentially anxious or working on some issues um, or some of our senior dogs who really prefer the sweets. But I can explain that not every dog is crated or like we only have 12 crates. So we double up in every crate, like things like that. Like I want to make sure, hey, and we have rubber flooring in this room. So it's safe for the dog's footing and play. We also have AC and like point things out and explain the space. Um, Importance of why we have wood chips in one area and artificial grass in another but anyway, I digress. Tours are great. You should be able to take a look and a peek at around the space where your dog's going to hang out. And then maybe as a final thing, are there any criteria of a daycare that maybe get more points than you think that they should? Any kind of red herrings, if you will, that shouldn't be as important to people as maybe they seem to be? Be mindful of the bouginess and the frills. A lot of the time that's there in place for the humans. So things like TVs and couches. Your dog's not going to daycare to watch TV. Let's be real. Maybe you put it on at home when they're going to be solo. Um, but that's that's background noise to your dog. If anything, that's just adding more stimulation um, and detracting from the hanging out with other dogs and the play and why they're there to learn from other dogs, not to watch some TV casually. Um, But yeah, like we keep dog house so much so for the dogs 
yeah, we've got cool art and graffiti all over the place. Like that's for me. <laughs> I think that's cool. And it, it brightens up the space and it's inviting and it makes for sick uh, sit stay photos. But I digress. We don't have um, a ton of other fluff because if you think about it too, that's something you're going to have to pay for. That's where some of your money is going. And what's really important for me is that my staff are well-paid um, and that the money is going back to them or big picture stuff for the business. It's not going to these, what's meaningless to the dog. It's really just to impress the, the client. Yeah. And since you touch on price, mm-hmm. how does price factor into things? Because there are a lot of different levels of service across the spectrum. Mm-hmm. I remember, at least when you opened, there were places that were charging like 15 or $16 a day. 12, I think was the Tw- lowest. 12. It's, that's insanely low to me in terms of the experience that you want your dog to get. And and maybe in when you when you add up these criteria, maybe price is an overriding factor and you want something that is predominantly play care and that's that's totally fine. I think people just need to know you get what you pay for. Mm-hmm. And so how should people be thinking about price in the grand scheme of things? Yeah, if it's low, a business has to make money, right? So if it's really low price, it might be because they're doing a ton of dogs. Is that something that you want? Go back to why are you looking at this at daycare in general for your dog? And does something like that suit you and your dog? Um, if it's really high, again, confirm this with a tour and by seeing the space yourself, that might mean that they have really well-trained staff that they need to pay for. It might mean that your dog is getting more hands-on experience and it's a smaller pack. So that might be meaningful to you, or it could be going to all the fluff and frills that that's not necessary. Um, so, so don't always assume that high price tag means high value, but the question really, really low prices, question really, really high prices, find somewhere where it matches um, what you think it's worth, right? And I mean, back in the day when Doghouse was $25 a day, there were people, I was being compared to the $12 place and it's like, it's not the same value. What they were referring to as daycare was day boarding. Your dog got individual sweet and maybe a let out there was really zero or little to no social time so you can't even compare that to being a part of a pack it's just something to to consider and to again just assess it's if it's worth it to you yeah something that kind of brings together the frills with the pricing just hearing you talk about that liz is being on the watch out for add-ons and nickel and diming something I feel like I've seen and I don't like the practice because number one I think it plays on human emotions Mm -hmm. wanting to be a good a good dog owner and providing for your dog and also trying to upsell people for things that maybe the dog doesn't need but what I'm referring to is you know it's it's a it's an x dollar base rate and then if you want hugs and cuddles Mm -hmm. there's an extra cost if you want a walk extra cost, if you extra want let out, extra cost. Time, yeah. Yeah. And so what dog owner wouldn't want to yeah. provide the best experience for their dog? And so you end up stacking these costs and it becomes expensive quickly, but 
but you don't want to feel like you're letting your dog down. And I just feel personally that's, that's not maybe aligned with my values. Mm-hmm. I want a place that I get all of those things that are important to me included, included because that's the way the daycare operates. And it's for every dog, right? Like, am I really going to deny a dog a hug and a kiss because the other one got paid for it? Right. So, so yeah, I, there are definitely ways in which uh, places benefit and profit of pulling heartstrings because of course, Dog owners are incredibly compassionate humans who care a lot about their dogs, especially if they're investing in daycare. Those are people who really, really want to offer their dogs the absolute best in life. And I love that. Do not take advantage of these people. That's not fair. It's really not. And so it has been so core to the doghouse to make it so all dogs get an enjoyable and equitable experience. And the only, we only recently changed our price point and it was based on frequency of visits, but every dog gets the same experience. Every dog does the training class. Every dog gets social time. Every dog gets, you know what I mean? Like Snapchat, they all are getting the benefit of the entire day. And you know what, what happens when you do it that way? No one's excluded. No one's excluded. And the, and the pack grows together. Mm. Both I love like that. Literally, literally and figuratively, they grow closer together, but they also progress together mm-hmm. because they're all doing the same things. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, again, I was like, I'm going to try not to be biased this whole time, but <laughs> Doghouse kind of is a perfect blend of structure with freedom, with some freedoms. And those freedoms are earned, and that's what makes it so just perfect. <laughs> well, and that was going to be my last question for you. Just everything we've talked about today, where do you see Doghouse on that spectrum of play care to superstructure? Mm-hmm. It kind of sounds to me like maybe somewhere in the middle or a little bit leaning more towards structure than anything, but uh, with still play and Yeah. Because for me, balance is really important. Um and so I also know the dogs that I'm working with are companion pets. It like work for reward. They don't need their whole life to be work, 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 work. Don't put that in. (laughs) Maybe do. Put it in. So I also know too what my clients want from the experience, which is social and play, but also don't lose the training and don't like, don't become reactive. And that's something you risk with play all day is your dog associates other dogs with excitement. And so there's a likelihood you will see reactivity. Doghouse does a blend of play social time with training social time. So those dogs have the cohesiveness of sometimes dogs are playful and we do happy-go-lucky things, but majority of the time dogs just equal calm coexistence. So I'm well-balanced in that way. So I would say middle leaning towards structure. And there are more structured places that exist out there and they're doing phenomenal things. Shout out to (laughs) uh, Canine Lifeline, Heather Beck in Utah. She is the queen of structure daycares. She's really educated a lot of people um, in that way. And Maddie Ranch. 
Oh my pack gosh, yeah, Pack Leader Dogs doing an amazing job with Adventure Camp is what they're referring to it as. And that's a beautiful blend of structure with with some freedoms. Absolutely. Those are very, very lucky dogs who live in New York, New Jersey. Outside of New York, yeah. 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 Well, Liz, thank you for sharing your thoughts on how to pick a daycare and make that daycare experience as valuable as possible to both your dog and to your family. I think this is some great tips. If you are considering a daycare or you use a daycare, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what criteria are important to you. Drop into our DMs, let us know. If you're thinking about a daycare and you want our thoughts on it, drop it to us in our DMs. I will take a look at it Ah. and give you our feedback based on this conversation and let you know what to ask or what to look for. Mm -hmm. I've had clients who have moved and it's been really hard for them to walk away from daycare, but they've asked me for help in finding something as a a sidestep, right? What can we do that's similar to doghouse, but now we're living in BC or wherever. And even clients who have gone on vacation and been snowbirds and gone somewhere for extended periods of time. I want to make sure that your dog can come back to daycare and doesn't regress any. So I'll 1000% help you find another place. And yeah, it's like other places exist that are cool, like doghouse, so we can get it. Don't worry about it. But yeah, if anything, do your research, be particular. Your dog is a part of your life, a huge part of your life. So invest wisely in their daycare. That's all for now. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, stay calm and assertive. Bye. If you like what you heard, hit that subscribe button and leave us a comment or a review. We'd love to hear from you. We release a new podcast weekly. Follow us on Instagram at Honest to Dog Podcast. Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. For all things training and daycare, check out doghouse.ca. D-O-G-H-A-U-S dot C-A.